I'm Jess Connolly, and you are listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We exist to equip and encourage kingdom women who are using their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. If you are a mom, a student, an artist, a doctor, we are hoping that this episode will leave you encouraged and ready to run. We're so glad you're here. Let's go. Hello, my friends. Welcome to today's episode of the Go and Tell Gals podcast. We are doing an Ask Us Anything. So we opened this up to y'all and we said, what is it that you want to know about our team? You can ask us deep questions. You can ask us light questions and y'all delivered. So this is your episode. You planned it and we are going to ride the wave. Here's one thing I want you to know at the top of this episode that we actually don't have our whole team on this episode. And that is because our dear Hensley, who is our director of hospitality, was sick this week. So I want you to know that you would have loved her answers, but unfortunately, she did not get to record with us. But we're all going to pop in from time to time. Some answers we're all going to give you, and then some questions will just be a couple of us. So let's get started. We're going to start it off light and easy with the first question being, what is your guilty pleasure? All right, we're kicking it off fun. Guilty pleasures. I'm going to go first to lead our team in vulnerability. Thank you so much. (laughs) I actually only know mine because you guys told me, though. Do you know? Do you remember what everybody said? uh This is so guilty, and I find so much pleasure from it. So don't anybody come for me. (laughs) I love watching TV in the shower. And more than that, I take aggressively long showers And I bring my phone and put it in a protective place within the shower where it won't get wet. And I also like to take a huge cup of crushed ice and just stand in the shower and watch TV and eat crushed ice. That's That's what I do. That's how I live. That's how I be. Specific and hilarious. And I love it. Yeah. But right now I'm fasting TV. So my quiets are very quiet. Nick has said multiple times, he's like, I feel so bad for you every time you step in the shower. I was like, I know. You're just like like a monk. You're just like any one of us now. (laughs) I'm a normie. (laughs) What's it like? What's it like to just be like one of us? Somebody watch TV in the shower for me, you know? All right, Anne. Okay. I would say this is also kind of oddly specific, but when I just think about myself and what I do as a guilty pleasure – I set it on my phone and online shop while I'm watching reruns, most specifically probably of Grey's Anatomy, and eating specifically Trader Joe's brand chocolate chips and or mini peanut butter cups. In Jesus' name. I like it. If you've never had either of those things, you should get them. You on eat your just the chocolate chips? I know it sounds so weird. It's so good. But they're so good. Okay. All right. Nobody can judge your guilty pleasure. No. It's yours. No. All right. Love it. My guilty pleasure, I think, is pretty specific these days. It's a Diet Coke and French fry from McDonald's. <gasps> I didn't That's- know that about you. You didn't? No. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Oh, definitely. I love it. And lately, I'm really enjoying TikTok. <laughs> and how funny TikTok it is. While you're eating your McDonald's. Yes. Yeah, I typically, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Those are good. Honestly, (laughs) yeah, like I could probably have a list. I watch a lot of TV. (laughs) And I think currently, right now, I'm watching Kim's Convenience because I was recommended it. And I, where is it? It's really good. It's on Netflix. I recommend because it's just brain. You can just turn your brain off. 
And I love to eat ice cream <laughs> and watch just some TV for hours. And that's my life. <laughs> All right. Question number two is, what is your morning and evening routine like? For this question, just Caroline and I are going to share some thoughts. Okay, I had to pull Caroline in for morning and evening routines because you, you care about this. I do care about this. And the other day, I can't remember. It was like a few weeks ago, but you and I started a conversation about morning routines mm-hmm. and then we didn't finish it. And about 10 times throughout the day, you were like, Jess, you were telling me your morning routine. Go back. Can we follow that? <laughs> follow up. Go so, back to that. And I think you are one of the most rhythmic people on our team. In a, in a like ritualistic way, in yeah. the best way. I've always been like a nerd about morning and evening routines. Like ever since I was really little, I remember like yeah. watching YouTube videos about it. <laughs> like it's like kind of embarrassing. Like I have been obsessed. A lot of times when people find out how old you are in my life, they're like, how do you have this woman who is so capable and still pretty young? And I'm like, well, here's what you need to know about Caroline. At 14, she was watching YouTube videos on how to set goals. And that is one of my memories that I talk about a lot that just kind of sums up everything is that when I was really little, I went to the library and asked the librarian for like productivity books. I can't. Seven. I can't. And she gave me seven habits of highly successful people or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that just. It's a little nerdy. Like, it's not exactly healthy. <laughs> I think it's phenomenal. I think it's extraordinary. It's special. Okay. So you talk about your morning routine, and then we'll do evening. And then I want to kind of segue into the next question, which is, do you journal? Because you changed my life with the journaling. Yay. Okay. So good. Well, I would say as much as I've researched morning and evening routines, I'm not the master at it. Yeah, who I'm is? not very good at it. Nobody really is. So that's a disclaimer. If you're like, okay, I need to get my morning right, finally. That's good. I'm not good at it, honestly. Like, I'm really not. I'm human. We're all human. Yeah, that's good. So that's important, disclaimer. But my morning is important to me. I'm not as good as evening. But in the morning, I wake up. I make an effort not to hit snooze. Do I fail? Yes. <laughs> then I typically, what I do, which we'll talk about journaling, is immediately start journaling. I make my coffee. That's really key. And start journaling. Then I move into like a longer prayer form. And then typically I'll like start working. So like I'll dive into like creative or like deep work immediately. Then I'll get ready and then I'll leave for whatever I need to go. Typically the office. Okay. I did ask you this when we were talking about morning routine. How do you make coffee? Because you do it a different way, yeah? I do do pour-over coffee. Yeah. That's just because I have never purchased a coffee maker. Yeah. But that's a process. I'm not a coffee snob. It's typically like my friend Greg is like the best coffee maker ever. And I make pour-over by like dumping grounds and then pouring water over it. But like there's some science there that I'm missing. Oh, I think you're doing great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Here's my morning routine. Also, will you say what time all that start? I am shooting for like 545, 6. Okay. I'm going to say the times for a specific reason. Same for me. My wake time is 545. The reason why I say that is because it's important. It's important. It helps. What I'm not saying is that 
you're more godly if you wake up earlier or you're more productive if you wake up earlier. I actually like don't subscribe to that because some people are not morning people. But I do say it for the inevitable question I'm about to get, which is how do I do it with kids? Mm -hmm. And this is how I get up significantly earlier than they do. And I have always had to because I need alone time. That's my deal. Also, what I want to say about you, you don't have kids, but you do basically work another job before you come in to go and tell gals. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you do that. Yeah. That's how I do that. Yeah. So Caroline also works for herself, helping other companies. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Those are key hours. Yeah. Okay. So I, my alarm goes off at 545. I'm actually not a snoozer. That's your superpower. I'm a snoozer if I'm sick. If I'm sick, then you know I'm sick because I just hit snooze. But I've told you since I started taking this new supplement, I would like Mm. to give a shout out to the -the (laughs) over-the-counter supplement, Cortisol Calm. I started taking it about a month ago, and now I wake up like 30 minutes before my alarm. That's incredible. And I naturally kind of wake up at like 5, 5.15 before my alarm goes off. But Full disclosure, I lay in bed till my alarm goes off, but I'll either, I let, we're giving the real deal. We're mm-hmm. not giving the fake. So right. I'll grab my phone and I'll either look on Pinterest or I'll make a list on my phone. Yeah, I don't okay. keep Instagram on my phone, so I can't like scroll social media, but I'll look on Pinterest or I'll like write in a notes, something in my notes app. I've told you I love Pinterest for looking up workouts in the -hmm, morning. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's like the strangest thing, but that's what I like to do in the mornings. Then I go downstairs and I make my coffee. I do not do pour over, but I I actually make an Americano on our espresso maker. Then I open my laptop and I start my morning pages, Mm -hmm. which was inspired by you, which was inspired by the book, The Artist's Way. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that in our next question, but I write my morning pages that always kind of turns into prayer for me. So yeah, by the end of it, yeah, I'm just kind of praying. But the morning pages have changed my life. And I would say maybe saved my life. I mean, that's extreme, but they're, they've really helped my mental health. Same. And just a lot. They've just helped my processing my mental health. Then I close my laptop and I open my iPad. Mm-hmm. I just want to normalize how many electronics I use in yeah, the morning. Same. You know what I'm I saying? I have like a whole kit. Like, yep, that's like same, a lot. There's same. a lot happening. So I moved off of a paper Bible and paper books about a year and a half ago, and I only exclusively use my iPad. So I use my iPad for journaling. I use my mm-hmm. iPad for Bible reading and planning. And so for me, 5.45 to 6, I'm making coffee, sitting down, starting my morning pages. 6 to 6.15, I'm writing my morning pages and praying. 6.15 to about 6.40, mm-hmm. I am doing gratitude and scripture. So I'm writing a quick gratitude list in my iPad, my journal notes app, and then I'm studying whatever scripture I'm in right then. If I'm outside of scripture at the time, like if I'm not reading a book of the Bible or if I'm not studying something, I'll read a few, like a few pages in a book Mm -hmm. and kind of journal about that in my iPad. And then from about 6.40 to 6.45 a.m., I go over my to-do list for the day. So I write in on my calendar, like look at my day and just kind of prayerfully look over it and say like, what needs to get done today? And then at 6.45, I wake up my kids, mm-hmm. I go get dressed, mm-hmm. I pack for the day and I leave at about 7.05. That's super helpful. Yeah. I also good to know, I almost never do my makeup or my hair before coming into work. 
you see me, I bring my makeup with me every day to work and I bring my curling iron to work. (laughs) It's a good idea. Usually if I have like a quick break, I'll like put myself together. But our team typically works out together a couple of days a week at Mm -hmm. 8.30 a.m. So I usually will work out, then put myself back together and then start the work day here. That's helpful. So that might not be applicable to anybody. Okay. Evening routine. That's helpful to know. Yeah. Yeah. Evening routine. I have like a few things that I like to do. One, I think setting a bedtime, we talked about this at our team. It's a big it's deal. It's really helpful. So yeah. I'm like shooting lately for, I need a lot of sleep, shooting for like, I'm in my bed at 10 o'clock, yeah. which is helpful to just keep in your mind. At night, every night, I actually use my iPad and I go over my next day and all my tasks and like assign what time I'm going to do everything so that I know how it's going to go. That's really helpful. Then my brain can be at peace when I go to sleep. So good. Then every single night I have a list on my phone. It's called Miracle Material. And I make a list. I like ask God, like, what miracles did you work today? Wow. And I make a list. I love that. And then I try to put my phone away. Am I good at it? No. But I try and go to bed. And typically I read for about like 15 minutes and I'm always asleep. So I love that. I don't have a super beautiful nighttime routine either. We say goodnight to our kids mm-hmm. at nine, which means like it takes till about 930 because they're teenagers. And so at like nine, 10, they're like, can we just talk about this one thing? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. So at 930, Almost every night I take a shower. Mm -hmm. I slather my body in coconut oil. Mm -hmm. I wrap myself up (laughs) in my Barefoot Dreams blanket. I take two cortisol calls with a sip of water. And I cuddle up next to Nick where we watch an episode of Seinfeld. I make it through the first eight minutes. (laughs) And then I fall asleep. Nick calls it my amuse. What is it? You know the the phrase amuse-bouche? It means like. Yeah, the little appetizer for meal. He calls it my amuse snoosh or something. <laughs> it's snooze, snooze, amuse snooze, and it's like my baby nap before bedtime. <laughs> so I wake up from my amuse snooze. <laughs> <laughs> when he turns the Seinfeld episode off, I go to the potty, I get back in bed, and I sleep until five. Amen. So I'm asleep from about ten to five. I love going to sleep every night. I love it's sleeping. The best. <laughs> And then then, that's not true. Also about twice a week, I wake up at 2.30 and I can't stop thinking and I make a list. That's us. That's morning and evening. Question number three. I loved this one. Do you journal? And if so, how does it help? Let's kind of go straight from morning and evening into journaling. Will you talk a little bit about morning pages and what it does for you and where you learned it? Yep. So I've been journaling since a long time, like prayer journaling, I guess you could say. Physical prayer journals. I go through physical journals like water. I really like to write to pray. But something I read about in The Artist's Way, which is a book about like living as a creative person, they talk about doing morning pages. And what she suggests is writing three pages of just stream of consciousness on paper every single morning as soon as you wake up. So I kind of adopted it and I actually type it on my laptop in my notes app immediately when I wake up. And it's really helpful because it's kind of a practice of like noticing what's around me first. Yeah. What's noticing what's happening in my soul and my heart and my body 
in my mental health and my brain and like being honest about it and writing about it. Cause it's very unfiltered. It's very stream of consciousness. You don't edit it. You just actually write what comes to mind. So for example, sometimes I'm like, this is really good coffee. I'm cold right now. Yep. I'm thinking about this happening today. I'm worried about this. That dream last night was really weird. Like stuff like that. And then it warms up typically my brain into noticing what's happening in my soul, my body, like I said, and it always becomes a prayer. But I do it every morning. I try to shoot for like 10 minutes of just yeah, subconscious writing, um, stream of consciousness writing. So it's been really helpful. Yeah. And it's been a place to like record what's happening in my life a little bit more. And then I pray after I write them. It kind of warms me up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I just started doing it, I think two months ago, right at the beginning of September when you were telling me more about it. And I have done it almost every day since then. Mm -hmm. And something just about not calling it journaling, but calling it my morning pages has given me the permission I need to not edit myself. Right. Which is the hard part is that I've same, I've journaled my whole life. I have stacks and stacks of physical journals, but to some degree, they always felt performative. Yes. And this, I just make myself say the thing. Right. And I don't apologize if I'm, I don't apologize for like not explaining something in my journal or like, and it also helps me realize what's significant to me, what I feel like I need to type out, what I don't, but I almost always end them in a really, you know, unspiritual kind of un, I don't know, not cool way in that I just start listing out my day yeah, and, and that's kind of my way of like ending my prayer time with God of like, all right, here's what we've got today. Will you help? But they always just, yeah, they kind of turn into prayer for me. And that's been really yeah. life-giving. Yeah. It's just a very honest spot. It's, yeah. It's really helpful. I've been doing it since January. And it's been beautiful to, like, look back on them yeah. and see patterns and see what God is doing. Yeah. And it feels a lot less filtered than a journal for some reason. Question number four, the resident gals in their 30s are going to weigh in, me and Anna. I love this question. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? All right, we've got Anna V. That's me. Up for this question. (laughs) What would you tell your 20-year-old self? I would tell her, as simple as this is, to stop freaking out so much because you're not going to mess up what you're supposed to do in life or what God has for you to do in life. Yeah. I remember being very, very worried that like I was taking the wrong job or moving to the wrong apartment or doing, you know what I mean? (laughs) And it's like, honey, it's going to be okay. Those things are, they're, they're all going to work themselves out. Yeah. I don't think we're like little puppets. Right. I think that we're going to always end up exactly where God knew we were going to be all along. That's good. That's real good. I jokingly told you this the other day, but I mean it and I'm adding it in. I would also tell my 20-year-old self to wear SPF. That, yeah. You know. Now being 30, really caring about skincare. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, I get it. 20-year-old Jess, you don't have money for like beauty counter. I get it. That's That's okay. But could you pick the like $8 moisturizer from the drugstore? And could you put it on, sweetie? Yeah. And would you put on the SPF in the morning, little girl? Yeah. Little lady? Yeah. I know you like that brown forehead, that tan forehead, but you're not going to like it. You're not. You're not going to like it. Your dermatologist is not either because you you have one of those now. Yeah, you do have a dermatologist. (laughs) (laughs) Also, see the dermatologist. And the dentist, but we won't won't get into that. (laughs) 
You had to. Shots fired. (laughs) Okay, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Seriously, I would tell my 20-year-old self that you're not an idiot. That sounds harsh, but I would tell her, I think she thought she was an idiot. And I also think she thought that she just had to wait, like to wait to be a real lady, Mm. wait to be a real woman, wait to be a real woman of God. Or the options were like, wait until you're old and wise or fake it till you make it. Mm. And I would tell her the other option is to believe God is mighty in your midst right now, but also move forward with humility ask for help, get wisdom. I would just definitely tell my 20-year-old self, get wisdom. That is the most humble thing you could do. Ask for insight in your life. Read books and get curious. Don't feel like you have to fake it and and have it all together. And also don't feel like you just have to wait for life to start when you feel like you're one day mature, you know? Yeah. We love you, 20-year-olds. God's mighty in you. Put on SPF. Please. All right, friends, you guys know that we love coaching here at Go and Tell Gals, but did you know that one way we coach women is through our products? So we actually love coaching women through t-shirts and hats and all different types of fun little things like keychains and stickers. And the reason why is we want to speak life for you. We want to speak life over right where you're at in your most tender moments. And we actually have a new line of products that launch today. I'm not even and embarrassed to tell you they're the cutest things we've made so far. We have a super cute black crop top that says not in a hurry. Come on. We have a beautiful sweatshirt that's like brilliantly colored that talks about the kingdom of God that you're going to want to check out. We just have some of our favorite things we've ever made. And just to bless you for being a podcast listener, we want to give you a 10% discount code that you can use anytime. That code is on mission. O-N-M-I. S-S-I-O-N, all one word. It'll get you 10% off everything in the shop and you can use it whenever. But if I were you, I would hop on some of these new fall styles. We're grateful for you. Let's keep going. Okay, this was a beautiful question. Number five, how do we walk with God when we're recovering from legalism? Man, I love this question. I feel like so many of us really are recovering from legalism or from an ongoing season of pride, religiosity, bondage just in different areas. And so I think this is such a helpful thing for us to pause and say, what does it look like for us to walk with God in a way that feels free and feels abundant? And so my really simple answer to this question that is simple in saying and a lot more complex in living out is I would massively encourage you to run after the rhythms and the movements that feel like they're things you get to do and not what you have to do. So I would say absolutely run after the things of God like scripture and community and prayer and worship. But I would wait, or I would just be really careful to engage in them at times when they feel like opportunities, when they feel like privileges, and not like responsibilities. 
And I would say this is the biggest shift for me. This has been the biggest shift for me from legalism, from religiosity to freedom and to understanding grace has been that all of these things, all of these beautiful rhythms, all of these beautiful spiritual habits are activities that God wants for me and not ones He wants from me. And so often in our church, we'll tell people, hey, you really, really, really do not have to read the Bible. It's not something you should do. It's what you get to do. And if you need a break or if you need to take a pause or if you need a reset to remember that and to approach God's Word with hope and with compassion and with realizing what a gift it is and a blessing, that's okay. Take a deep breath, take that reset, and come back to it, realizing that it's a gift and it's not a responsibility. Absolutely, will these things aid in our righteousness, our sanctification? 100%. Absolutely. Are they wise endeavors that will help us experience our closeness to God? Note, I'm not saying that will help us get closer to God because we are as close as we'll ever be. Jesus paid the ultimate price that we might be made right with God. But they'll aid in our sanctification because we'll experience more of God's love and more of His power. And so I would just tell you to take a deep breath and reset those rhythms until they feel like what you get to do, until they feel like what you get to. I would also say be really cautious about any rhythms in your life that you're doing to be good. (laughs) you know, like even like particular ways that we do the rhythms. Are you reading particular books of the Bible because you are convinced that it'll make God proud of you? And if so, don't read those anymore. Take a deep breath. Do what makes you experience His closeness, His love, His compassion, His truth, His righteousness, His goodness as well. But do what helps you really experience those things in a life-giving way. Up next, question number six, what places do you turn for inspiration? All right, we've pulled in our resident artist and brand manager, (laughs) Emily, for this question. Where do you find inspiration? Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know if I would have been able to like pinpoint where, but in January, I really started sketching. My brother got me this tiny little passport size sketchbook and... I just started looking around. So big things that I do, I used to commute to work by walking. And so I'd walk 30 minutes to and from work. And I just got so much inspiration by looking at the places that I lived, catching like shadows on houses, the trees, the way they like move in the daylight and in the wind. And it just would inspire me to create a lot more. Or like I started thinking about like how you would describe those things. And that just like really started to inspire me. I love that. Yeah. That's good. Thank you. Also, your sketches really inspire me. Thank you. Yeah. My fast answers are nature, which is weird because I'm not a nature girl. But I would say I'm very inspired by nature. Yeah. The Bible. People. Hmm. Rest. And music. That's good. Yeah. Those are mine. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want you to dive in on the people one. Well, I would say like even thinking about our podcast episode last week, the last episode of Where Do I Start When I Write a Book, when people, I'm very inspired by people's pain. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awful. (laughs) But I'm very motivated by people. I'm very motivated by people's pain. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, there, no, there's nothing that would make me write a book faster than someone telling me how they're struggling if I feel like I could help them. Yeah. You know? But also, like, people just make me want to live. Yeah. You know? Sometimes. Like, <laughs> people, like, like being great make me want to live. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I want to live, too. I want to do that. I, you've probably all heard this taught to some degree, but I think it's always really helpful to say that inspiration, the difference between inspiration and copying is the medium. Mm-hmm. So you can be inspired by a different medium, but if you're inspired by the same medium that you're trying to cultivate or create yourself, that's just copying. So, or it's, it's just might not be a helpful form of motivation. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I'm writing a book, it's really hard to be inspired by other books. Yeah, that then makes I'm, sense. I'm just going to copy and compare. Yeah. You know, but what's really inspiring for me in writing a book is like hearing people talk. Or I would say, oh, I would also say fashion. Like fashion at large is really inspiring to mm. me, even though looking at my outfit right now, like don't worry <laughs> about it. I'm wearing yoga pants. It's fine. That's what I wear most days. But I'm very inspired by like broader trends mm-hmm. in movement, color, et cetera, you know? Yeah. Thanks. We want to live. All right. Question number seven. I'm bringing everybody in. What's your favorite current book, movie, or show? Okay. Favorite book, movie, show. Anna, go. Okay. Book. So I am a big reader now, only as a reader of, girl, only as of 2022. This is new for me. So I'm so excited to have favorite books now. I love it. I am very into fiction right now. Specifically, I love like a girly modern romance. Mm-hmm. So think like Emily Henry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can choose one favorite, but that's like my favorite genre. Favorite movie I honestly don't know, but the first thing that came to mind was Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, that's because a it's movie. one of those where anytime I see it, it's either on TV or if I'm like on a flight and they yeah, have it, that's good. I'm like done. That's what I'm watching. It makes me so happy. It's so good. Good movie. That's good. Love it. Good movie. Okay. This is just my favorite book is The Book of Waking Up by Seth Haynes. It's been my favorite book for a while, but I'm reading it again. I'm rereading it again right now. My favorite movie is the third Harry Potter, the one where Sirius Black enters the, the show. He's everything. Don't at. My favorite show is West Wing. But again, fasting TV right now, and it's really painful for me. <laughs> it's Caroline and Emily here. My favorite book is The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. It's Mm. incredible. I reference it all the time. My favorite movie is The Intern with Anne Hathaway. Oh, that's so good. I'm like, I watch it so often. It's it's ridiculous. And my favorite show, I think, is New Girl. Those are good. Those are really good. My favorite book, like Anna, I'm an avid reader. So I have a lot of books I really like. Yeah. Anna and I are the readers. Just kidding. We have a lot of readers in this crew. My favorite book is Small Great Things. I highly recommend it. I don't normally reread books, but that's one that I did. And still, I will never let anybody borrow it. I'll just buy it for them because I want that copy in my house. My favorite movie, I actually have two. Sorry. I love The Little Prince, which is, yes, a children's book turned movie. It's really beautiful and just like, it's so sweet. And then just like a funny, I love How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. That like, honestly, funny. like, that's on my list too. It's, that's a good one. it's the therapy scene is like gold. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, just watch well it. Heard. Yeah. 
There's so many great references. So I highly recommend. And then favorite show I would say is Shit's Creek. Like I always come back to it. It's so funny. Yeah. Shit's Creek, definitely. So good. Question number eight. How do I find a church after spiritual abuse? Okay, I love this question. How do we find a church after experiencing spiritual abuse? So actually in December, we have a podcast episode dedicated totally to this. We've we've been planning it for months. As you can tell, I'm recording this in October and we've already planned for this episode to come out in December. And in fact, I'm going to share a lot about about some spiritual abuse that I've really never talked about on our podcast. I'm going to talk about my history with Church Herd and what that looked like for me and where I've found some healing. So I don't want to give a too extensive of an answer. And honestly, because the answer is going to look different for all of us, but this is what I would encourage a friend to do if they said, hey, I'm looking for a church and I've seen unhealthy ones before. I've experienced pain in the church in a previous setting I would say it's really important to me that you find a church where you feel like you can hear from God, learn about God, and also where you can impact the culture. To me, nothing is more difficult than going to a church where it feels like no matter what I do, I'm not going to be able to impact it. I'm not going to be able to shift it. And I would say the healthiest churches are ones where the culture and really the ethos of the church is made up by a lot of different people. So if you keep going to churches where you feel like it really doesn't matter what you say or what you do or how you lead, they're always going to be going like this one direction and that's it forever and ever. Amen. I would say that feels like a really hard environment, especially if you're recovering from spiritual abuse. So I would look for a church where it's really safe for you to ask questions. And notice that I say ask questions, not like come with challenge, because we know a lot as church leaders, my husband and I lead Bright City Church here in Charleston, that it can be really hard when people come to your church almost punishing you for past abuse that they've experienced. And we understand it and we want to make space for their pain. But so I'm not saying like come in guns blazing, like what? why are you doing this? What's, what's happening here? And you don't want to do that. I would encourage you to find a place where you can ask questions. And I'm not even saying that I would find a place where you agree with every single answer because that may be really, really, really hard to find. But having a church community where you can ask, hey, what do you guys think about this? And how did we land here as a church? And what does it look like for us to develop leaders? And how did we decide on the church culture? Like just having a place where you can be curious and where you also feel like to some extent you can make an impact. You can shift things. You can be a part of making the culture look more like the kingdom of God. Those two things would feel really important to me if I really wanted to feel safe after an experience of spiritual abuse or church hurt. Question number nine, Anna and I are going to tackle together since we got to start Go and Tell Gals together. And I loved this question. What was the best thing about starting Go and Tell Gals? And what's been the hardest thing about starting Go and Tell Gals? This question makes me nostalgic. I know. Yeah. I told you I saw this coming on Instagram and then I stayed up in the middle of the night one night thinking about it, which you said was pretty classic. Yeah. I said that felt on brand for you. (laughs) (laughs) She often 
thinks about work in the middle of the I night. Do, I do. I don't. I sleep like a baby. <laughs> it's the healthiest part of you. <laughs> I love it about you. When you drive away, you drive away. And I just sleep like a rock. And so in Jesus' name. Pray I always do. We bless it. <laughs> so if you didn't know, Anna and I started going to Tell together in 2018. At the time, it was nothing. It was not a thing. No. I had an Instagram handle and kind of an idea. Yeah. That I had developed while playing putt putt with my kids. Yeah. You had your business. Yeah. You were writing books. You were speaking, but go and tell gals was not, not yeah. a thing yet. So we started with some group coaching and then a podcast, and we weren't quite sure what it was. But the fact that you took the risk with me is so, is such a gift to me. Thank you. Been a joy, Connolly. (laughs) So let's start with the bad part. What's been the hardest part about starting Go and Tell Gals? Hmm. I mean, I'm a very like logistical thinker. So when I think of like hard parts, I think about like the like the growing pains and the figuring it out. Because as like fun and empowering as it is to start something brand new and it feels like tingly and exciting, you also like are the one figuring everything out. So the day when you came to me and you were like, we're going to start a podcast. And I was like, great, how? And you're like, I don't know. You're going to figure it out. I'm not sure. Which I'll say, it's actually not very hard at all to start a podcast. A lot of things are a lot harder than that. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it is like a lot of work when it's, you are the one who's starting it. And like, we're not trained graphic designers or website builders or, you know, a lot of things that we have gotten scrappy and learned how to do. Yeah. So I would say for me, that's the hardest part. Do you remember, it definitely wasn't this year. I think it was 20 in 2021 on your birthday. I wrote your birthday post and I said like, Anne, I I just started calling you Anne, but and Annie, but actually most people call you Anna. So I actually said on the Instagram post, Anna, we've been using the phrase growing pains a lot. Uh-huh. But do you remember I said something like this? Yeah. But like we're not going to be, but that's good. And we're not going to be using that along oh, forever. Yeah. But 2021, we said growing pains. A lot. A lot. We're that like, that felt pain. like a very rhythmic thing of that year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had to really think about what's been the hardest part because I couldn't, you know, I am, I have a little bit, have that memory of a quarterback. Like it was great. Let's keep going. And like, like <laughs> no memory of a goldfish. Right. That's the quarterback. Yeah, I think okay, so. They, they call it a, a quarterback should have the memory of a goldfish. Yeah. That's what the phrase is. Also Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso says that. I actually heard it before Ted Lasso. Did you know that? No, I didn't. True story. We are really just... It's okay. This is a deep question. So we're giving it, letting it be light. But I had to really think about it. What was the hardest part? And it's similar to growing pains. I just think what people don't anticipate when they're starting something is that the biggest way that you're going to grow is by doing things wrong and frustrating people and making mistakes. And I just wish I could tell anyone starting anything that matters, you're going to do parts of this wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's actually going to hurt people and Mm -hmm. you, and it's going to be frustrating. Yeah. But that's going to be how you're going to grow. Yeah. 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 So that's been the hardest part. I don't like disappointing people. No, not fun. Yeah. Not at all. What's the best part? Let's end on a high note. What's been the best part? I want to hear yours first. I have so many. Well, same. 
I have so many. I mean, I would say our team feels like the best part. I love our team culture. I never in my wildest dreams could have imagined working at such a healthy place. That mm-hmm. makes me so happy yeah. to come to work. Yeah, I've told you before, a lot of people get Sunday scaries and I get like Thursday scaries. I get sad when the work week is over. You're so sweet. <laughs> I really do. But really, really, really the best part, and this is what I told you, it's a little more abstract, is that the best part for me about starting a Intel house is that it, God has shown us that it's going to be bigger than we thought. Mm-hmm. And again, when we started, we really didn't know where we were headed. And now in the past four years, God's given us a lot of vision about where we're going. And I feel so honored to get to walk out that vision. Yeah. And that's a good feeling. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times when you start something, you're like, this is going to be amazing. And then you realize it's not. Yeah. And instead... I feel like I was in a really humbled, broken spot when we started going tell gals. And I was like, I'm going to just try this and see what's going on. Maybe the last five years. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And you and I had a lot of conversations about this around 2019 because Mm -hmm. I told you I was realizing, oh, this isn't going to close in a few years. Mm -hmm. This is a decades, decades long ministry. We're going to run. Yeah. And that's been a really sweet surprise. Yeah. Yeah. You? That's good. Ditto, hardcore, everything you just said. I also, I think I would just say that I feel like every day we just know how much this work matters. That's good. You know, like, I don't know, every every day, no matter what we're doing, whether it's like actually coaching women or if we're writing posts for Instagram or designing our next t-shirts, like we just know that it actually it actually matters. It actually helps people. It actually helps women step into their calling and take their next step and do what God has for them. Yeah. And that just doesn't get old to me. That's a gift. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. And last question, what would your career be in an alternate life if everything was different? This one's super fun. We're all going to weigh in. Bringing it home with this one, what would your alternate career be in a different timeline? I really love this question. I think that in one alternate timeline, I would be a wedding planner. I can see it. I think in another alternate timeline, I would be an interior designer. Could you do both? Yes. In a third alternate reality? Um, That might be... An interesting thing to explore. It seems <laughs> like maybe seems like you might be a little busy. They they seem like maybe they're not quite the same thing. Yeah, but. you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, mine's easy. I'd be a doula. I'd help ladies give birth. Yeah, that's you. Okay, I think my alternate jobs would be first a real estate agent with like a hint of interior design. Also, mm, I can see it. I would like to be an art teacher. Perhaps I love my art teacher and a fashion trend forecaster. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds really fun. (laughs) I love those. Interested in hearing about the last one. I would probably be a comedian and I'm still, I'm I'm still wondering if that's not going to be an alternate. (laughs) Yeah, I have time. So see me in five years. 
Thanks for joining us for today's podcast episode. We would be so blessed if you would take a minute to leave a review wherever you've listened to this podcast. You're also welcome and encouraged to share this on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you use social media. We'd also love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or send us a message on Facebook. Shoot us an email. We love to connect with you to hear how we can encourage you and further equip you. God is mighty in you. Let's keep going.